Don't yuck someone else's yum. And I think it is unabashedly not okay to do that. And I threw up a little bit in my mouth each time I see this. And I like beer, maybe not as much as Justice Kavanaugh does. I think someone said it was a hangover cure. He would put ranch dressing on his pizza. Oh, no, no. It was chicken sashimi. And I kind of like the fact that this would irritate you deeply. And away we go. Smart dribble time. Away, away, away we go on the rollicking ship, the good ship lollipop that is smart dribble. This is Kurt Schneider, your co-host. John Ellenthal, was that a Shirley Temple reference? It was, yes. Yeah, we haven't had one of those before, so we're still breaking new ground here in episode 48. Actually, we did when, during our cocktails episode. Ho, ho! Okay. So, Kurt, thank you for that introduction. Today, we are going to talk about one of our favorite topics, which is food. I assume that's many people's favorite topic. But we're going to talk about some of the dark side of food. We're going to talk about really good foods that people have a propensity to ruin, either by adding something to it or doing something to it. So we're going to talk about controversial food combinations, Kurt. What do you think? I think it's fantastic because I think everyone has an opinion on this. And you know what it gets back to? When... My younger son was in nursery school. One of the big lessons that were taught to these kids is don't yuck someone else's yum. And (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) Okay. And I'm sure we're going to do that today because we're going to yuck. It's our opinion. We're going to yuck other people's yum. Yeah, but some of these yums are truly yuck worthy, despite that excellent guidance from your son's preschool teacher or nursery school teacher. And there are some classics here that have been the source of controversy and debate for a long time. You know, one of the classics is, is it okay to put ketchup on a hot dog? And I think it is unabashedly not okay to do that. Mustard is for hot dogs. I think you may not put ketchup on a hot dog. I agree. And if you ever even try in the wonderful Windy City to try to do that, you will be ostracized, probably you will be eviscerated, and you will never be allowed back in. And I think understandably so, because if you look at the classic Chicago-style hot dog, and for that matter, the classic New York-style hot dog. Dirty dog, yes. Well, the dirty water dog, not its most popular characterization, but not unfair either. In any event, Neither of the default toppings includes ketchup quite intentionally. So if you look at the Chicago-style hot dog, it comes with yellow mustard, green relish, Mm -hmm. chopped onion, yum. Don't be yucking my yum. A dill pickle spear, sport peppers. I don't even know what sport peppers are. Tomato and celery salt. Ketchup, no effing way. In fact, a few years back, Heinz, the maker of the quintessential ketchup, if we can hearken back to a recent episode. We didn't even talk about that in it, but here it is. We did not, but... Because it's not catsup, it's ketchup. That's a whole different kettle of fish. Anyway, Heinz tried to uh, position ketchup as the Chicago dog sauce to Windy City folks. 
no bueno. They didn't take it. And of course, the New York hot dog, the default topping is mustard and sauerkraut. You'll notice the absence of ketchup in that. So I am firmly in the it's not okay to put a ketchup on a hot dog. You know what was a mistake? You know the retailer Barney's? Yes, I do. So Barney's made a classic mistake. They went to Chicago and they called the store Barney's New York. Ooh, ooh. About four people probably went in. Now, Barney's New York was successful in LA because there's a lot of transplanted and or wannabe New Yorkers in LA and they think that's cool and has the panache. But in Chicago, don't you be calling it Barney's New York. Eh, eh, failed miserably. So let's shift this discussion away from Chicago, if possible, and add to, you know, I've actually noticed that ketchup is at the root of a lot of these kinds of problems. Ketchup finds itself in a bunch of places where I am totally ready to yuck on someone's yum. There are people who actually enjoy putting ketchup on their pasta. And while I understand both of those sauces are tomato-based, come on, man. I had a roommate in college who put ketchup on everything, every single thing. We'd go to the dining hall, you get eggs, ketchup on it, grilled cheese sandwich, ketchup on it, every single thing. Now, Ronald Reagan did say ketchup was a vegetable. So, yes, we I, think, I think I disagree for a couple of really important reasons, including the fact that, well, it's not. And secondly, of course, it's made from a fruit. Isn't the tomato a fruit? Yes, it is. But ketchup does have its benefits and its good calls on French fries. Ketchup, very good. Now, a lot of people don't like mayonnaise. But if you're in Belgium or France and you get this paper cone filled with frites and you on the side is mayonnaise and you dip it in, the first like four are great. Afterwards, it gets a little tough. But ketchup on French fries, yes. Look, burgers, yes. I'm not with you on dipping the French fries into mayo, even if it's all fancified because it's in Belgium and they're called frites and not French fries. But in the province of Quebec in Canada, they also dip their French fries into mayonnaise. And while I generally feel positive things toward the folks in Quebec, first of all, I don't like mayonnaise pretty much in anything. In fact, mayonnaise and ketchup. Um, seem to be themes in Foods Gone Wrong. But I agree with you that ketchup is totally appropriate for French fries. There is one substitution that I make sometimes when I'm dipping my French fries. And that is I like to dip them into barbecue sauce. A lot of people do. I like a mixture of ketchup and mustard on both my burger and with my fries. Please tell me you're just messing with me and you don't really mean that, Kurt. I mean it. Oh, my God. There are very few rules of nature that you need to pay attention to. There aren't that many. One is ketchup goes on a hamburger. Mustard goes on a hot dog. And you don't mix them, Kurt. Never the twain shall meet? You're telling me never the twain shall meet, huh? Not in this case. It's like you don't know what to do, so you do everything. This is not a positive reflection on you and your decision-making rigor. I think you're yucking my yum. I'm totally ready to yuck your yum if you're telling me you're mixing ketchup and mustard on a hot dog and a hamburger. I'm going to get a little more egregious on you. And it happens to be, and by the way, remind me to come back. I'm upset already, Kurt. So 
<laughs> remind me to come back to Canada. But before I do that, while we're sitting with burgers, I can tell you and look you in the eye, I have never done this. I can also tell you I've seen other people do this. And I threw up a little bit in my mouth each time mm. I see this. There are people that relish, no pun intended, in putting peanut butter on their hamburgers. You know what? I have never seen that with my own two eyes, but I've come across that when I've been reading about different weird food choices. Peanut butter ends up in a bunch of weird places, but peanut butter on a hamburger, even if it tastes good, it's mentally and visually wrong. <laughs> Just come on. When my father was growing up in the Depression, by the way, his mother would make him two sandwiches. One, he never ate again. And one, he would try to give to us when we were kids. One was a peanut butter and lima bean sandwich. Lima beans? And so we never ate lima beans growing up because he was so upset about it. But the other one was peanut butter, lettuce, and mayonnaise oh, in Jesus. a sandwich. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that... <laughs> Forget you being a successful, productive member of society. I'm surprised you're alive, Kurt. Well, I only had it once or twice, so it actually wasn't bad. Did you ever consider making it for your kids, either to expose them to their grandfather's traditions or just to get them back for something they did? I think I did, and I think it was probably just a one-time thing. But let me get back to Canada, John. Oh, okay. So you said you have a soft spot in your heart for them, except when they're putting treats in mayonnaise. I honestly have never met a Canadian that I haven't liked. I agree. They live up to the stereotype. Then again, I've never had French fries in mayonnaise with a Canadian that could have affected how I felt toward them. There's one Canadian you're going to forever hold in contempt. Okay. That was the guy, and I think it was the early 60s, who decided it was a great idea to put pineapple on a pizza. That was a Canadian who started Yes. That? Yes. Huh. Have you ever had pineapple on a pizza? Yes. Oh, and? Once. Hated it. Never again. The Hawaiian pizza should not be. I don't think I would even try it. I mean, it, it, it offends my sensibilities a little bit like a blueberry bagel or a rainbow bagel. It's just a bastardization of the form in some ways. Now, Sweet I don't want to come off as not open-minded, but apparently when it comes to these things, I am not open-minded. When you mentioned Canada, I thought you were going to refer to something else, which is their eagerness to take a beer. And I like beer, maybe not as much as Justice Kavanaugh does, but I like beer. And they mix it with clamato, or is it clamato? Clamato. It's kind of like a Mexican michelada or michelada. But they do that as a hangover cure. They don't do that as a regular drink as much. I am not interested in mixing, adulterating my beer with clam juice and <laughs> tomato juice. That just seems like a fierce combination. Plus, beer is really good in its basic beer form. Why are we mixing it with stuff? Again, having tried it, agreed on, on in principle, it is actually a very good hangover cure. Okay, so speaking of hangover cures, I'm going to give you a beer concoction that is not a hangover cure, but it might be. So I'm going to give you another beer concoction that I think has been used as a hangover cure. Have you ever cracked a raw egg in a beer and drank it? Once in high school. Why did you do it? Exactly. I, I think someone said it was a hangover cure. Here's why it has been called 
a graveyard cocktail. It is most well known, though, by a different name, and that is the Miner's Breakfast. Have a beer, crack an egg in it, you got yourself breakfast. I can remember going through a train station in Germany in the 80s. And now I think I'd come from Oktoberfest, so I wasn't feeling too fresh. But seeing all the Germans in the train station having beer for breakfast. Crazy. I, I, at least I think. Though I guess it's carbohydrates, you know, who knows? Obviously, it occupies a somewhat different role in their society, although we're big beer drinkers here in America. Before we leave pizza, I am with you on the pineapple on the pizza. Because sweet and savory can go together sometimes, but not on a pizza. I had uh, a hallmate in college who did something to his pizza that I had never seen anyone else do before. He did it whenever he had pizza. He swore by it. I tried it once. and It's actually not bad, despite the fact that it sounds revolting. He would put ranch dressing on his pizza. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Try it once. No. I know that. Look, I think pizza could be the world's greatest food. And I think, I don't know if we should be messing with it, although we all have our favorite toppings. But ranch dressing on pizza is not as horrific as it sounds, even though I acknowledge it sounds wicked horrific. There's a social trend these days on social media. I guess that's a redundancy where people are chugging ranch dressing. Ooh, really? I didn't know that. Is that, is that because eating Tide Pods has moved off center stage and we're now chugging? Chugging ranch dressing. And you watch these women, a lot of them, but men, but a lot of women chugging, chugging. Why do you think it's a woman thing? I, I don't think it's a woman thing. I happen when I'm watching it on social media, more people, not eight times out of 10, it's a young woman chugging it. Maybe it has to do with the algorithms that are serving up your content in some recognition. <laughs> that you, prefer, you prefer to watch women chug ranch dressing. Okay, we're moving off this one. <laughs> no, but I want to stay with chugging because there's something else that people chug that is a little bit strange. I could see having a shot of this. I couldn't see chugging this. And that is pickle juice. People chug pickle juice thinking it has some sort of health benefits. But there is a drink, of course, called the pickleback, where you take a shot of tequila or a shot of whiskey, and then you take a shot of pickle juice. I don't know what's supposed to happen or how those two things are supposed to combine in a positive way, but I could see doing a shot of pickle juice. I love pickles. I have no plans to chug pickle juice, though. I think that uh, that's how that music group got their name, right? Pickleback? Pickleback or Nickelback, as they're more popularly known. We should have mentioned them during our Canada section. Back to pickle juice. One of the reasons people do drink pickle juice. Yeah. Wonderful if you're cramping. As we're getting older in age and we cramp sometimes, like in the middle of the night, pickle juice. Haven't no you more gone cramping. through menopause already? I went through man menopause, yes. Menopause. Yes. Does he think it pisses off women that menopause starts with men? It's just another thing for women to get pissed off about men. And of course, they got saddled with hurricane. So I have another one that I was thinking of when we talked about things that ruin things. Food specifically, please. Foods. Well, I'm going to throw two in at once here because one, I just have to because I know you're waiting for it. So I'm going to just get it out. Okay. Right in the middle of this episode. Oh, yeah. Vodka in a martini. You know what? When I was talking with my wife about what we were going to record, 
he basically said Kurt's going to say a vodka martini. So that. <laughs> no, listen, thank you for getting that out of the way. I am relieved it's behind us, as are many of the drivelers who are listening. Well, everyone's waiting for it. And so I figured I would just do it. The other thing that if anyone knows me, they will know that this chaps my yaw. And I think it ruins the whole thing. And if you're, I'm one of these people that will socially shame you if we're out at a restaurant and you do this. If you order a steak well done or medium or medium well done, I will socially shame you. You should not be ordering the steak. One great way to offend a chef is to order your meat overcooked. Another, getting back to the ketchup problem, is if you drench your steak in ketchup, the chef is very likely to feel as if you are suggesting that it's a poor cut of meat or it was poorly cooked. And both of those are offensive to a chef. Now, we didn't know each other when I was still a meat eater. But I will tell you, and I kind of like the fact that this would irritate you deeply, that I would order things medium well. And I would typically, if I were... Shame on you. Yes. And I would, at a nice restaurant in particular, I would order it medium well. And I would even add to my order that I'm perfectly willing to apologize to the chef personally if that's necessary. I would strip you naked, walk you through the streets of Dubrovnik and with bells saying, shame, shame, and have people throw feces at you. (laughs) Well, you know what? If that is indeed true, I am inclined to make an exception to my non-meat diet and maybe share a side of something with you. So the side of beef, I mean, not a side of something. The correct way to order a steak, especially if it's a darn good steak, like ribeye or New York strip, is called rare plus or medium rare closer to rare. That is the only way to order it. I will on occasion allow a person at my table to order it medium rare, but that's as dark as you're going, as well as cooked as you're going. Well, listen, if you were, if we were at a restaurant together when you ordered that, while it would not be how I would order mine if I were ordering a steak, I would be okay with it. However, if you ordered steak tartare, I would probably leave the table because eating dog food, I mean, it's raw meat. It's got like anchovies, which are basically fuzzy sandworms, raw egg in there. I have no idea what the appeal of steak tartare is. Delicious. By the way, did I tell you or it's the audience? It's Alpo, Kurt. Alpo. Did I, did I tell you or the audience that when I was in Tokyo once, I had chicken sashimi? It was a plateful of raw chicken, chicken sashimi. We sit there and during business, everything's all about respect in Asia. And we went to a yakitori place, which was they served every part of the chicken. I mean, every part. Oh, I know. I, I, I hear you. You have never told me that you had chicken sashimi. Have I ever told you that I had salmonella once? No. Was that from eating chicken sashimi? No, but it was from the aforementioned dirty water dog in New York City. It was legitimately unpleasant. And I hope never to experience that again. I hope you never experience anyone ever experiences it again. But I will never be having chicken sashimi for many reasons, including my uh, history of salmonella. So... Picking up on your chicken sashimi and being respectful to your Asian hosts, I was in Beijing a number of years ago, and one of the first things we did with our hosts was go to have one of the traditional imperial meals, 
where it's like 23 courses and they just keep bringing them out on small plates and you're obligated, at least at first, to do it. And I started with a really good attitude because I hadn't experienced anything yet. One of the early courses, Kurt, was a sea cucumber, which is basically a garden slug that lives in the sea. I bit into it. I ate half of it. When I saw the spine in the part I hadn't eaten, I couldn't finish it. But at another meal during that trip, a colleague of mine, we were at some sort of agricultural co-op and we had to be on our best behavior because in America, we say we have freedom of speech. In China, they say you have a responsibility of speech. But we're sitting there at this dinner and they bring the appetizer out and I have no earthly idea what it is, as neither does my colleague. My best guess is that it's an oversized radish sliced really, really thin, like a, like a radish carpaccio. And my colleague ate it first. And it was sow's ear. Yeah, you don't ask over there because you have to. It's a lazy Susan. Yes. And you have to eat it. And I had congealed lamb's blood and I had cow lung and a lot of other fun things. But the thing they have over there is stuff called baiju, which is basically moonshine. And it tastes horrendous. But when that stuff comes around, you're thankful for the baiju. Let's get back to our topic. So. I want to talk about, and this is a definitive of yucking someone else's yum. My mother-in-law and my son both do something to one of my favorite dishes that ruins it for me. John, I love deviled eggs. Oh, I used to love deviled eggs too. Oh, oh they're delicious. I can oh. eat so many of them. Just on top. Yep. So my mother-in-law adds relish. Ah, that's totally the wrong texture. Ah. That's like putting celery in tuna fish. It just, it's, ah, uh, it's not right. I don't like celery in tuna fish either. You're exactly right. Because all of a sudden you're eating it and then you get a little crunch. You have this rich, smooth, this creamy kind of deviled egg. And then suddenly you got this crunch going on. You have to be careful with the crunch. Like in Nestle's crunch, those crunches work very well in the larger Nestle's bar. And but you're expecting them. Salad. Now, if they put relish in a Nestle's bar, I'm not in. You know, it's kind of like water chestnuts, which I, the, the consistency just drives me crazy the way it sort of slowly crunches. I'm not a fan either. Yeah. Kurt, I'm with you. Have you ever put an ice cube in your wine? Yes. And you're okay with that? Yes. Suddenly you're very practical. <laughs> You've lost all of your rigidity and everything. Uh, I don't think I ever put it in red wine. I've put it in white wine. And specifically, if it's a hot summer day and it's not cold, I've put ice in. Yes. What is the sandwich at McDonald's, the fish sandwich, the fish filet or? filet o fish I almost had it right, but I had it backwards. Okay. I don't think I've ever had a filet of fish from McDonald's. But they put a slice of cheese on it. <laughs> and I don't get cheese and fish. They do. The, never the, talk about never the twain shall meet cheese and fish never except for the tuna melt ah uh, it's an interesting point so i have to pull back on my filet of fish if you're going to be okay with the tuna melt i used to enjoy those as well but you get people who go out to a restaurant and they'll order some sort of fish scampi or they'll do some sort of seafood pasta you don't put the parmesan cheese on oh, no, you don't. i don't think cheese you, you have an interesting exception on the tuna milk, but I don't think generally speaking that seafood and cheese mix all that well. How do you feel about the way that Cincinnati serves its chili over pasta? I'm okay with it. 
I'm okay with regional specialties that people just dive into and, and appreciate. You have to appreciate them. Now, I think while it's different, there's nothing about the combination that I find offensive. It's not how I would eat chili, and it's not... I think they call it skyline chili. Yeah, I think that combination isn't in and of itself. It's a little bit like pasta bolognese in some way. The Bermonti brothers in Pittsburgh, in their place, they put French fries on the sandwiches. Huh. Pretty good. You ever have a sandwich with coleslaw on it? Ever. Almost every sandwich I do. Yeah, that's um, that's a messy combination, but see, that's a good crunch. My favorite wedge, which is what we used to call them growing up in... You mean a hoagie or a sub or a grinder? Oh, yeah. We talked about this in episode number three, sandwiches, was roast beef, Russian dressing, and coleslaw on a wedge. <gasps> Russian dressing, I think on turkey back in the day. I did black bread, but Russian dressing on turkey on a sandwich, that is a magnificent combination. Add coleslaw. You know what is not? I wouldn't mix coleslaw and Russian dressing personally because you just have too much slop going on. Anyway, so that's an excellent combination. But what is not an excellent combination yet? Plenty of people seem to do it. Some people put OJ on their cereal. What? You do that by mistake in the morning when you're half asleep. I don't think it's a mistake in a lot of people's kitchens, but it would be a mistake in mine. It would be such a mistake that I would pour it out. So, Kurt, we have to wrap this up. But do you have any additional ones that you have? to put out there before we wrap up? Well, just interesting. When I lived in London, you know how the British love their crisps. Yes. Well, we used to have, you know, and I love my potato chips. We used to have back then, you know, three flavors. The Brits have a gazillion flavors like scampi flavored, prawn flavored chips. Mm. Yeah, no, they have, they also have baked scallop crisps, roast chicken crisps. There's just some stuff that should not happen. Look, I've, I've eaten some chips with some strange flavorings, but never fish-related flavorings. I don't yeah. think that would be my thing. So, Kurt, do you know that there are actually people out there that eat Skittles and mayonnaise together? Oh, disgusting. You think that's disgusting. What's even worse is what they call it. It's what? referred to as a unicorn orgasm. <laughs> 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 I wasn't going to eat it before that. I'm certainly not going to eat it now. <laughs> oh, God. Thank goodness for Reddit, where I can learn things like this. All right. I'd like to posit a final question for you. I don't even need an answer. I just want you to think about this. Is a Pop-Tart a ravioli? <laughs> think about it. Okay, I'm going to think about that. Oh, please do. I was going to have ravioli for dinner tonight. I'm not sure I'm going to because I'll have the flavor of Pop-Tart. Though a strawberry Pop-Tart is very good. No, the best Pop-Tart flavor is blueberry unfrosted. Raspberry frosted. So as we're wrapping up, I would just like to ask you, our drivelers, to do us a favor. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your sister, tell your brother, tell your teacher, tell your coworker, hey, listen to Smart Dribble. Would you please? Gracias. Please share the Smart Dribble love. And the bigger that Smart Dribble nation is, the more Smart Dribble we can share far and wide. You can also leave your comments at smartdribble.com, Smart Dribble on Twitter, Smart Dribble on Instagram. As usual, we would love to hear from you. Kurt and I will be back next week. Yes. Brand new episode of Smart Dribble. Until then, we hope your week is filled with Smart Dribble. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone.